Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, if you'll look there with me, it says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. I want to talk to you today about an aspect of church membership, which I would say the title of the message today is, I am a tithing church member. We could also call it, I am a giving church member. We could say, I am a generous church member. Next week, we're going to talk about the gifts and the talents that we have as individuals. God made you on purpose, and he made you with desires. He made you with abilities. And I believe the word of God preaches and shares with us that we ought to use those things in honor to God and for the benefit of the church, as well as those around us, even in the world. But as we talk about being a tithing church member, I want you to just let your walls down. If any of you have any preconceived ideas, I want you to come with an open mind, and I don't want you to check your brain at the door. I want you to check your brain and your experience according to the word of God. That's what I want you to do today, because regardless of those who are in the room today, whether you faithfully tithe for 20 years, whether you've struggled with the idea of tithing, whether you've heard a mixture of beliefs about, well, that was Old Testament, not New Testament, whatever it might be, or you've skipped a few weeks, a few years, <laughs> and you're like, I don't know where to start. How do I do this? What does this really look like? Is it really in the Bible? We're going to answer those questions. One of my favorite approaches to a message, when I build a message, one of my favorite approaches is the same five questions they teach us in like first grade. Who, what, when, where, why? <laughs> so let's talk about what is tithing? Who, who tithes? Why do we tithe? When do we tithe? How does it happen? How does it work? The truth is God is a giver. If you haven't figured this out yet, I really encourage you to look throughout scripture and understand this. If you could summarize the Bible in a single sentence, that's a tall order. It's possible, and it would be God gives. Not that he gave, but he gives. He still presently gives. Not only did he give life to humanity in Genesis that we read about, not only did he give life to a people and birth to a nation, the Bible says, that he called the people his own, but he also gives life to his son who came to this earth so that he could give his life for us on our behalf. In fact, the Bible calls Jesus the tithe, God's tithe or first fruits, that he's the firstborn of many sons, that God gave him in hopes that we would accept him and realize what's available to us. And when we do, we walk in the blessing of salvation. So God is a giver and we're made in his image. The Bible says very clearly that we're made in the image of God. Well, what does that look like? That looks just like we do. And if he's a giver, that means we ought to be a giver. Now today, I'm talking about the bare necessities, the bare minimum, the, the smallest increment. But God is a giver above and beyond. He, it could be said of God that he is an extravagant giver. Amen? So we're made in his image, and this means that we were created to be givers. When you're a little kid, and many of you who are parents in the room, you realize this because you have little kids, you really don't ever struggle with having to teach them how to take because they do it naturally. They take 
all the time. They take what's not theirs. They fight over something. They superimpose their own motive in somewhere. They jump on it and they grab it and take it and run with it. It's mine. I'm going to keep it. But we do have to teach them to give. Now, Johnny, because none of us have a Johnny. I use Johnny, okay? <laughs> Johnny's not your kid, okay? Johnny, you have to... <laughs> Nathaniel, okay, use your kid, Nathaniel. Nathaniel, you have to learn to what? Share. We say that all the time. To give. No, you know what? It's okay. Let Peter have this right now. I'll give you this instead. We have to walk them through that life. And unfortunately, as, as grown-ups, we still sometimes need to be led in that same direction. And I, I've, I sense the, the, the reality that we live in as humans is that we still, as grown-ups, have to understand what it looks like to give and to share. So I want to talk today about something called the principle of first. When God is first in our lives, everything else will fall into place. This is the principle of what it means to be first. If we allow something else to take the first priority in our life, that means we've exalted that thing to the most important place. So we all have priorities, right? How many of you have priorities? right? We all do. We're grown-ups. We have priorities. Sometimes we might get them mixed up. We might hang out with our friends rather than study. Yeah. Hello. Anybody in the back row over there? Yeah. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes we might spend money, grown-ups, on something that we don't need but we want, but it puts us in a pinch later or whatever. Sometimes we get our priorities out of whack and out of place. But here's the thing. If God is a giver, if God is the creator of who we are and he made us in his image and he wants us to be givers, then we've rightfully got to put him and keep him in that first place. Now, I thought about that in the words of the music today. It's not orchestrated. We didn't work this out uh, previously or anything like that. But it was incredible to have that same flowing thought through the whole thing. God, I'm making room for you. I'm cleaning out a place for you. I'm putting you in the highest place. When we do that kind of thing, this is, this is what it looks like. Imagine this. Take Jesus in your hands. Everybody do this right here, okay? And hold him up. Sometimes your hands are going to get tired. Sometimes other priorities are going to try to superimpose themselves or jump in there. But we've got to maintain putting him in that place. You can put your hands down. We've got to maintain putting him in that place. That means when we're tired or when we start to lose focus, we might allow a worry to jump on that throne in our heart. But the encouragement that we should have through the word of God is that that is not the right way to do it. We ought to have God in the first position. If you're unsure if he's in the first position or if he's somewhere further down the list, you can look and see where your money is spent and you'll see what priorities you have. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 says this, where your treasure is, listen to the way that this sentence is, okay? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You can look at my bank account and you can know I treasure date night with my wife. I spend money on it. I, take, I, I make sure to take a priority to get a babysitter and to make sure that we spend money going out, getting away from the kids, having that healthy connection time. You can look at my bank account. You can see other priorities. The children that I leave behind with a babysitter are a priority to me. I buy them stuff for school. I invest in their education. I do these things. We all have that kind of priority, okay? But where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. God knew what he was doing when he gave us money. When he, when he gave us something that could demonstrate value for other things. And so I want to show you today what is tithing. Now, bear with me. If you are a professional tither and you know all the scripture verses, just stick with me and don't snore, okay? But for the rest of us, I really think that we could learn something today to our benefit. So what is the tithe? The tithe is 10%. Everybody say 10%. 10% of our income that belongs to God. The word tithe in scripture means one-tenth. And it is, like I said earlier, it's the minimum portion of finance that a Christian should contribute. The minimum. The tithe's purpose is to be a testimony of God's ownership. When I tithe, I put Jesus in the highest place. I say, God, you're over my finances. I'm taking this first part. I'm giving it back to you. And truthfully, we don't actually say we're giving the tithe. We say we're bringing the tithe. It belongs to God. We're not giving it back to him. It's his to begin with. We're just making sure it's in the right place. So 10% of our income and the tithe's purpose is to be a testimony of God's ownership in our lives. I want you to hear me today. Tithing or the lack of tithing reveals where we place our trust. It reveals who we thank for our money and it reveals what we worship with it. That's what the tithe does. Tithing reveals those things. It helps us to understand where we place our trust. And like we read in Proverbs 3 verse 9, when we honor the Lord with our possessions and with the first fruits of all our increase, blessings flow because we have obeyed. We don't give to get, we give because our heart's in the right place. And I really think that's the biggest struggle when it comes to talking about tithing, to talking about being generous, to talking about these other things, because we, you know what, let's be honest. This isn't in my notes, but I'm gonna go off here for just a second. Let's be honest. Have we ever questioned whether a church or a ministry has spent their funds the right way? Yeah. And then we see people in the news and, I, and I, I'm so brokenhearted to see somebody in the news who's talking about, well, if you just give some offering today, you're going to get me a Learjet so I can fly around the world and preach the gospel. Well, each one of us can assume judgment. Okay, And each one of us has had like a bad taste in our mouth when we've seen that kind of thing. We've seen the TV preachers with the rings on every finger and you know the $500 haircut and the $3,000 suit and the whatever. And so oftentimes what we end up doing is we place ourselves in the place of judgment and exercising judgment and saying, we're not going to give to God because those guys ruined it for everybody. Rather than taking the approach of understanding that God's word declares that we ought to do it and obeying him all the way to the end, regardless of what happens as a result. That's where spiritual discipline comes in. When we can make the choice, because here's the deal, practice doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. 
So if you've practiced not giving for a long time, and we could say a lifetime, from the time you're born until now, we'll always struggle in some way, shape, or form or regard. My wife and I, we went out uh, recently with some friends, and um, the question about you know sharing plates at dinner was the option. And she just vocally said, you know, my husband doesn't share really well when it comes to that kind of thing. And I don't. There are some things that are off limits, okay? If you put a fork near my plate, I will stab you, all right? I do not share well, okay? But from the time that we're little all the way to the time we're grown and all the way through our life, there'll be issues, there'll be tests of our discipline, there'll be opportunities for us to not do what God requires of us. So God does require 10%. I'm gonna take us through some scripture here. I know it can be scary at first, but when we see an item in a store with a 10% off sticker, we think, that's not really a sale. But follow through. <laughs> and then when you, when you read Leviticus and Deuteronomy and you hear the words of Jesus in the New Testament and you look in the Old Testament and you realize that tithing happened before the law, during the law, and even after the law, it's kind of hard to dispute the fact that God deserves that 10%. Well, you say, well, I get to tell where my 10% goes. No, you don't. You bring it to the house of the Lord. We make this a practice in our financial statements, in our giving. If you mark something as tithes, you don't get to tell us where to put it. If you have tithed and you want to go above and beyond that, you can give an offering to MOPS or to any other ministry that we have or give an offering for, you know, hurricane victims or, you know, any type of other item that we have. But here's the thing. That's not honored and looked at as blessed by God until you've obeyed the first part. So this is a challenge for each one of us in this room. And this is what I just told my daughter in upstairs. And this is a challenge for each one of us. No matter where we are in the aspect of tithing, each one of us could grow up a little bit more in our maturity and our understanding. If you do give 10%, thank you. God bless you for giving that 10%. I'm so proud that we do have a very giving church. But I would challenge you to go above and beyond that, to exercise and to ask God to help you to give more and to see him bless you as a result. So we tithe off of everything we receive from the Lord, which is everything. You work a job, but God gave you that job. So we've got to understand it in that way. Um, Pastor Robert Morris, who I'm a big uh, fan of, I think he's a, an excellent teacher of the word of God, uh, pastor at Gateway Church in Texas. He says this, we're born with the nature to take and we're born with the nature to protect but when we're born again, we receive a different nature, the nature of giving. And it frees us up to be able to do what God wants us to do. So we just have to learn how to walk in that. So when we understand that everything we have comes from God, we end up loosening our grip and softening our hearts. This is a sign of a healthy believer. This is a sign of a healthy church member. This is a sign that should be evident in each one of our lives. So wait a second, Pastor. I've had some conflicting things that I've heard before. Do I tithe off the gross? Do I tithe off the net? Do I have to keep some and bring it every week to church? But if I get paid every month, should I just do it once a month? How, should I, how does this whole thing work? How many of you have ever had questions or heard questions like that? I mean, we have had some of that happen. Here's what it is. The government takes what they're going to take. <laughs> 
Okay, health insurance takes what it's going to take. That stuff that's there is still a gift to you. It's part of your everything. So we believe that you ought to tithe. According to God's word, you ought to tithe on everything. So your paycheck, pre-tax, pre-all that stuff, the total amount you receive is what you give off of. God will honor that. When the Israelites were given God's commandments and laws, they were told to return the firstborn of every animal and the first fruits of every harvest. So go with me, take down a note, but go with me to Leviticus chapter 27. Now there are some places in scripture that we're going to look at this morning in the Old Testament and New Testament, but I just want you to see that this morning for Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30. It's going to give you some information about the tithe. It says this, And all the tithe, which is 10% of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22, it says this, You shall truly tithe, which is 10%, all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. So I want you to see and understand this, okay? In those days when they didn't have cash flow like we do today, they had commodities, okay? They they were farmers, agriculture was a big deal. Everything, everyone had an animal, had a herd, had a, a patch, a veggie patch or bigger and farmland. And as they harvested those things, as those calves were born, as those things happened, they were instructed to give a tithe, 10% of all of that and to bring it in to the Lord because it's holy to the Lord. Tithing and the principle of tithing was before the law. If you've ever wondered how did this come about, you can look in Genesis and look at the issue of Cain and Abel. We're familiar with the story. You might be familiar with the story, but I, I won't... Uh, I won't assume that you are. Cain kills his brother out of anger, jealousy, bitter rage because his brother's offering, his brother brought something to God and gave it to him, which was the best and the first, and Cain did not. So Cain's offering was not received by the Lord, and Cain got mad and went and killed his brother. They were tithing in Genesis 2,000 years before the law came through Moses. We hear Jesus himself say that we ought to tithe. Matthew 23, 23 and Luke eleven forty two. Jesus' words in red tell us that we are to tithe. So remember, it takes faith to tithe the first 10%. It doesn't take faith to tithe the last 10%. It takes faith, right? In order to say, God, you're first in my life and you're first in my finance, you're first in my checkbook, you're first in all of these things, I'm gonna give you that 10% before I even know if everything else will clear. I'm honoring you. So we've got to take that step to make sure because here's the deal, Cain didn't bring God his first fruits and he reaped the consequences. Listen though, there are, issues and examples of tithing throughout scripture that even involve humans. In contrast, you could look at the story of Abraham. He was ready to offer his son Isaac, the firstborn, the one, the son of the promise, and God honored his faith by performing miracles in his life. 
That's a powerful example. I was thinking through last week, uh, the last week's message, and it hit me this morning. We talked about Eli, the priest Eli, and we talked about Hannah coming to the house of God. And we talked about how God was raising up Samuel in the house of God. Hannah prayed, God, give me a kid. God, give me a son. God, give me a baby. And God blessed her with a baby. And she said, God, if you'll do this, I'll give him to you. He's rightfully his anyway. And if you read in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, you know what it says? God blessed Hannah more than she could have ever imagined. It says every year, it's kind of cute. Every year she would make a little robe. She would make some pajamas and some clothes and bring them up to the tabernacle to give them to her son. And she would pray and she would give offerings and she would be there with her husband. And Eli would stand before her husband and say, God is going to bless you to replace the son you gave. And in verse 21, it says that she received from the Lord. She went home and the Lord gave her three more sons and two daughters. That's an incredible multiplication. She gave God the first and God returned the favor by blessing her abundantly because of her, because of her obedience. So God's people still tithe today. This is a mark, and I will say this very clearly. It is a mark of spiritual maturity when you can trust God and step out in faith and obey with that first 10%. It also, the converse is true. It's a mark of immaturity or the necessity for us to grow in our faith and in our discipline if we struggle to give that first 10% to the Lord. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the why, where, and when. In Malachi chapter three, I want you to go there with me. We're gonna answer these last three questions in the same passage of scripture. If you have questions about tithing, if you have questions about giving, if you have questions about what happens when you give and what the church's budget is and what it gets spent on, we can answer those things. We're, we're open and transparent to say, listen, when you become a member, you have a responsibility to tithe and to bring into the storehouse what is 10% of your income and then above and beyond whatever the Lord would lay on your heart. And we want to honor God and be good stewards of that when it arrives. I'm convicted by the thought that Luke chapter 16 gives when it says God honors the good steward, but he literally refuses. He literally won't allow himself to bless the bad steward, the one who didn't do what he was supposed to do with the gift that God gave him. So Malachi chapter three, and this is the, these words, it's important to hear it in context and to understand. This is a prophet in the Old Testament. He's, he's giving a, a word to the people of God who are then, and we can say that it applies to us today, the same questions in the same place in scripture. It says this in verse eight, will a man rob God? We can say, will a person? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? The answer comes in tithes and offerings. Verse nine says, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me or try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. 
If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. There are a couple things to notice here in this passage of scripture. He is, he is accusing, and I want to tell you, if God is true, he's definitely not a liar. He's not making a false accusation. He's saying to them, you have robbed me because you haven't been tithing. And he actually says, and giving above that, tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, understand, when you read that, I'm not sure what version you're reading, but you have to understand what he's saying there is not necessarily only that the whole nation has robbed him, but he's also equating that with the whole nation being cursed. He's saying everybody is cursed because there are people in your midst who are not obeying the principle of first who are not giving that first 10% and even above and beyond that. So it says there in verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse, if we look up the, the understanding, there's that word storehouse appears in other places in scripture. It literally is the place where they stored their harvest. It's the place where it, you can imagine a silo today with corn or grain or something else. It was the place that they kept all of their stuff. Okay, and God is saying to them, that storehouse, storehouses that you have, that's where you put all your stuff, but you bring the 10% into the storehouse, meaning the, ha the habitation of God and his people, meaning the place where God is. We practice this because it benefits us to obey, but it also benefits the kingdom of God. It does pay the bills. It does pay salary. It does help us give when Louisiana just had all the flooding. It does help us replicate. It helps us paint. Yes, it goes to some things that you probably wouldn't think of right off the top of your head. It goes to ministry in the community as well as in the building. It goes to a new parking lot. It goes to these things, not so that you can just drive on a new parking lot, but that what? We could welcome others into the family of God and that they would come in to a comfortable place. That's why we pay to keep the air conditioner going, right? So I know it's first world problems. They don't deal with this in other places, but we do here. This is the storehouse. And what happens is when we obey and we give it away, we say, God, this is yours. It rightfully belongs to you. When that happens, a blessing starts to come our way immediately because every time scripture gives us a command, it says, if you obey this, you'll be blessed. God says it all the way throughout the Old Testament. And if you choose not to obey this, this is what's gonna happen. This is the bad stuff that's going to occur as a result of you not tithing. There are, there are two statements I wanna make this morning which might rattle you. One is, I believe every person needs a pastor. I don't care if they're a believer or not a believer. Every person needs a spiritual leader in their life. And I believe the principle of tithing applies even to those who are unbelievers. 
I believe that God is the God who gave them everything and they ought to be giving. It doesn't say just because you're a family member in the house of God that you ought to do this. So the challenge is, it doesn't matter whether your spouse is saved or not saved, whether they agree or disagree, you're to honor God with 10% of all of it. You with me? All right. So God says this, the only place in scripture... I've looked on every page and I Googled it too. The only place in scripture that God says, test me, put me to the test. It's in this regard. He says, I want you to exercise your faith. I want you to give me that first percentage, that first 10% off the top. I want my cut. And when you do that, when you honor me, I am going to open, it says this in verse 10, look and see, test me now in this, and I will open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there won't be enough room for you to contain it. So there are some tough questions. Pastor, I've tithed in every season of my life, and you know, it's not easy. There are times that I feel like I could have used that money and I could have paid a bill. There are times when God didn't come through with that financial blessing that I thought he was going to come through with. There are difficult questions that we can't have all the answers for unless we're digging into the word of God, unless we're seeing the principle fleshed out from page to page, from Cain and Abel all the way to Revelation. The Bible says that the kings who are here on the earth in the later years after Jesus comes back and returns, after the new heavens and the new earth, that they will be bringing the tithes to him. They'll be bringing offerings to the king because it's rightfully his from the beginning to the end. Are you with me this morning? So it's true from the front to the, to the back or from the first to the very last. God says, I'll, I'll open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it. Here's the thing. Think about it agriculturally for back then, okay? Think about them having not enough room. But, but God, I don't have enough barn space. <laughs> but God, I don't have enough. So what do I do with all the extra? Just give me the common sense answer. What do I do with the extra that I have? You can give it away. That's a good Christian answer. Or you can make something off of it. It's profit. God's saying, I'm going to bless you and profit you if you'll honor me. I'll take care of the rest. So we say this all the time. We say God can do more in your life with your personal finance. Even as a college kid with a low income, as a retired person on a fixed income and everything in between, God can do more with you and your life and your finance with 90% than you can with 100%. It's a proven fact throughout scripture that God wants and demands what's rightfully his. And when we obey, we receive a blessing. Now listen to the blessing. This is where it gets really exciting. I'm almost done. Verse 11, it says this, God speaking to the prophet Malachi for the people. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you 
in the field. Otherwise, if you come to me and you give freely, I'll protect what's yours. I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll cause the curse to be gone for good. If you can just honor and obey in this one area, start walking in that area, then you can see the blessing of the Lord because he says, I'll stop the devourer from devouring. I'll stop so that there's no pestilence that attacks your crops, that the vine won't fail to bear fruit for you in the field. And then verse 12, all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land. I want all the nations of the world to see that I'm blessed and living in the blessing of God simply as a result of me honoring scripture and being a tithing church member. So why do we tithe? We tithe first because we're obedient. God requires it. We see that throughout scripture. We understand that he owns it all. And so that causes our heart to obey. There's also another reason why, because of the blessing. You'll hear me say this, and some of the younger ones in here might not know the terminology, but some of the older ones definitely will. Have you ever heard the term prosperity preaching or prosperity gospel? Okay. We don't preach that around here, but we also don't preach a poverty gospel around here. But here's the deal. I see both of them present in scripture. God is going to prosper me when I obey him and I'm going to suffer when I don't. How that fleshes out in each one of our lives is different. But when we honor God as first, he does take care of the rest. He prevents the devourer from attacking us. So where do we do it? I'm going to tell you, it comes to the local storehouse. Not the TV preacher. It's not your tithe if you gave it to hurricane victims. That was an offering. Your tithe goes to the local storehouse. It's proven throughout scripture. And you can look at all these other scriptures and, and go through to see it's to that house in that community where it serves the purpose of the kingdom of God where you are. So college kids might ask this, do I tithe back home? Do I tithe here? It's up to you to understand what the local storehouse is, whether you choose it to be this one that you're at temporarily for the four years that you're in college or whether you continue to send it back to your home church. The same thing is true. We, have, we receive tithes via the mail from a sweet lady who was part of our church for many, many years. She lives in Tuscaloosa now and uh, she still sends her tithes back here. She lives there but sends her tithes here. It's not the TV preacher. It's the local storehouse. And when do you tithe? Here it is. Whenever you receive. So you get paid bi-weekly, tithe bi-weekly. You get paid monthly, tithe monthly. Whenever you receive, it needs to be the first part. Here, I want, want to show you an example. I have in my hand 10 $1 bills. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I used to be a bank teller and count really fast, but now I'm a little, you know, slow. There are $10 right here. Can I ask you a question? Which one of these, because a tenth of 10 is one. You got that? Okay, you're with me. You're doing your math this morning. Which one of these is the tithe? How do I know which one? How do I know which one is the tithe? Is it, is it a mystery? It's not a mystery. It's the first one that goes somewhere. 
That means if you have to, and you're more than welcome to, and we would encourage you to be a recurring giver online, you can go to celebratepeople.org and you can set up your tithes. And they come out automatically. We have people that use their bank's bill pay system. And as soon as their check gets deposited in the bank, the bank sends all their checks out to all of their places and we receive their check for their tithes. We have people that drop them off, put them in the mail, put it online, but it's the first one that goes somewhere. That's what the tithe is. I believe with all of my heart that God wants us to practice giving him first priority. He wants it in our relationships, right? God wants to be top-notch first priority in our time. He, he, he deserves the first of everything. Whatever it is, God wants the first of it. He wants to be in the first place, and he rightfully deserves it. Amen? As a healthy church member, you are making a commitment to tithe. I think every one of us ought to not only tithe, but give above and beyond that for what the Lord has blessed us with. It's meant to be used for his glory. All right, so here's the last two questions. Pastor, I haven't been faithful, so what do I do now? Four steps. Start today. We haven't taken up the tithes in the offering. We don't have ushers to come forward with plates. We have a box on the wall back there where you can drop and deposit your tithes and offering. There are envelopes there that you can fill out. I would tell you in a logistical, from a logistics point of view, that I would love that you would write an envelope so that you could keep track, if it's not a check, so that you can keep track. And at the end of the year, you can receive a statement from us that says, thank you for your giving, your generous giving throughout 2016. When you look at your taxes in 2017 or start to do them, that's usually when we send it out. And you can look back on the faithfulness of God and see how incredible he blessed you in your life. It's important for you to track it because that way you know you did it, yeah? So we don't have tithes and offering that gets received in that way, but we do have a box back there. And I would say start today. Set a reminder on your phone if it's hard. Make it an automatic withdrawal if you need to. Do it as a bill pay sort of thing. The second thing is that you need to do is you need to ask God for forgiveness. I believe today you can be set free. I believe that God wants to forgive because he wants to bless that's what he lives to do, is to bless his people. So when the devourer has been getting all that he's got, when he's been ruining the crops, when we've been lacking stuff because we haven't been fully obeying, God says, if you'll just test me in this, I'll show up. And I want him to show up. So when, when we see that we've not obeyed, we need to ask for forgiveness. Then the third thing is, search out the word of God for more answers on the subject. Look through and understand Cain and Abel before the law. Look through what it looked like in Leviticus and what they had to do in order to give their tithes and their offering. Look through the wording of Jesus and how he encourages them to tithe. And then four, this is it, keep practicing because practice makes permanent. So yes, it was a struggle last time I got my paycheck to say, okay, God, here's your 20 bucks and I'll keep the rest. But I gotta do that next week with the same check over and over and over again until that discipline is a natural occurring thing. So we practice withholding for a lot of our life. Now we can practice returning. That's pretty awesome. And then the other question would be, if, if that was you in that first category, I've not been faithful, what do I do? Those are the things. Start today, ask God for forgiveness, search out the word and keep going, keep practicing. The second question would, would be this, pastor, I've been faithful, 
but what do I do now? I understand tithing. There are people in this room that tithe and tithe regularly and faithfully, and I'm so thankful. Listen, I am not preaching. I want you to understand this. I'm not preaching this because I want to buy a Cadillac and I'm waiting for you to put money in the offering. It's not how it works, guys. I'm not preaching this because we're flat broke either. God has provided miraculously from moment to moment throughout the entirety of our history. God has done some actual miracles in this place. God is taking care of everything. And listen, just because you choose not to obey and not give your tithe, guess what? The bills will still get paid. God will still take care because he's honoring his word with those who are honoring him. Man, that's good. So, pastor, I've been faithful. What do I do? Number one, continue being faithful throughout every season of your life. Medical bills will come. College expenses will come for two uh, beautiful girls. You'll, you'll have some crazy things that happen, but the challenges are still there that we ought to continue giving faithfully in every season. The second thing you can do if you don't already do is pray for the financial state of the church. Pray that God would bless our church. Listen, we can't do what we do without money. That's what it comes down to. We really can't. We can't hire a kid's pastor who is top tier and have incredible ministry for our kids and renovate this building and spaces for them. I was sharing the testimony with a missionary on Thursday this past week. And he said, hey, tell me a little bit about the history of Clinton and how you got there and the different things that have happened. And so I shared with him for five, 10 minutes and just shared with him all the details. And he said, wait, you mean to tell me that you built it and God filled it? And I said, yes, that's what I mean. We had the vision that God gave us that said, let's be a community church that's family-focused and family-oriented. And week by week, we still have new friends and guests and people who come in who are families, who, who enjoy all these spaces. We developed a ministry, Mops, that started out with just a handful of ladies in a living room somewhere. And now we've got 20-plus and tons of kids that come and fill this place throughout the week, different times in the month. We do incredible ministry because you have been honoring God. So for that, I tell you, I am so incredibly thankful that you've chosen to be faithful, but pray that your church is blessed financially. Pray for the maturity of other believers in the church. Did you know that there are people in this room every week that don't tithe? Pray that God helps them grow up. You say, wait a second, I just got a part-time job babysitting. Do I need to tithe off of that? Yeah. Wait a second, you mean I need to start tithing? I'm telling you what, start tithing now before the Lord gives you an increase because it's gonna be more challenging. You can tithe easy off of 100. It's a little bit more challenging to see 100 go out of 1,000. But as you practice, God gives you the grace to continue on. So keep practicing, enlarging the capacity for your generosity. So much more can be done above and beyond your tithe when it's in God's hands, when we trust him fully with all of it. I want to ask you today to commit to the Lord your finances. Don't make a big promise of, God, I'm going to give you $1,000 of, of my $2,000. I'm going to give you 50% of all my income starting today if you haven't tithed 10%. Don't jump and do something crazy like that. But I do want you to say to the Lord today, God, I'm going to honor you in my finances. I want you to receive the challenge 
and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If you're in this room today and you have not actually tithed, maybe you've given, maybe you've dropped some in the bucket from time to time, but you haven't honored God in the tithe, I want to challenge you today that you would receive the correction of the Lord and start doing that. And then I want us to just pray for the blessing of our church that God would enable us to do more ministry than we could have ever imagined, which is where we're living right now already. Father, I thank you for those who are here in this room. I thank you that right now, whispered prayers are going up from each heart. Lord, there are those in this room that maybe today were uh, brought to new light with the information on tithing and giving. God, I just pray that you would let it sink into our hearts. Help us to know that it's a heart issue. It's not really a money issue when it comes to being a healthy church member who tithes. God, I thank you that we have the ability to receive from you and that all you really ask is 10% which is yours rightfully anyway. God, I pray that you would help those that need to practice it to begin today. God, I pray that you would bless. Lord, I speak in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit over every home that has been financially uh, tithing and giving their 10% to this church, I pray a blessing would fall on them so much so they couldn't take it. It would overwhelm them. God, honor your word today, I pray. Encourage those who've been faithful. Lord, let them see the fruit of it. Let them see the increase. And Lord, I pray that you would bless our church financially. Help us, Lord God, to continue to do ministry like we've never been able to do before because we're able to do it with the capacity of people who are in this room. Thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.